He was an ape, good at his job, but he committed the ultimate sin, testified against other apes gone bad. Apes that tried to murder him, but got the fey ray he loved instead. Frame for ape murder, now he roams Korea. An ape law hunting ape laws. A bounty ape. I don't know. Uh, that's, yeah. Didn't really think that one out before I said it. You know, in school, he had to take his aptitude tests. <laughs> Fuck. And now, our feature presentation. Okay, sir, if you and your staff could please wait out here, we'll take care of everything. Okay, that's right, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to our, let's think of it as a subreddit for our podcast. Yeah, uh, our main podcast, which is Dispatch Ajax, hosted by yeah. Jake, myself, and Skip, this guy. Hi. That's him. That's him. So, yeah, this is this is the Eastside Theater Guild, ladies and gentlemen. And if you don't get that reference, just watch Ghostbusters very, very carefully. I mean, really carefully. I mean, you have to go, like, frame by frame. <laughs> so, uh, but it is a Ghostbusters reference, yes. This, of course, is our, our bonus side hustle, which is only available on select VHS, extended play VHS. Full of tracking errors. There's a whole bit in the middle where it was uh, recorded over with, uh, like, Skinamax scrambled. So it's just going to be really confusing yeah. for a while. And and part of Super Bowl <laughs> 25. <laughs> Not even one of the good ones. Nope, just a random Super Bowl. Just random Super Bowl. It's probably like, I don't know, it's like the Cowboys and Redskins or something. I don't know. <laughs> they literally can't be in the Super Bowl. <laughs> They're in the same division. I know, you're right there. <laughs> uh, sport ball, huh? Cowboys and Indians, I don't know. Cowboys and Aliens, obviously. How about we talk about a movie, huh? Just saying! That's what we're here for. So I took a lot of notes for this on my iPad, and here, I'd like to show you. Audience, you're not going to be able to see this, but I don't know what half of this says. Wait, you were just writing them? Yeah, I was handwriting the notes. Well, that's... It's almost completely illegible. Yeah. Uh... And the stuff that I can read, I'm like, what was I talking about? Yeah, here, let me... See, I had a couple, you see. I have reporter's notes, a little pad oh, that I was using. Oh, nice. And then at the end, I got a little bored and started drawing an ape monster. This one has an army helmet on. <laughs> what we took notes on is the seminal classic that is known by all cinema fans worldwide. The Simeon classic. <laughs> it is A-P-E, Ape. From 1976. Apparently, it stands for Attacking Primate Monster. Uh, um, exactly. The E is for exactly. <laughs> it was originally announced as the new King Kong on a teaser poster in Box Office Magazine. You know, RKO got wind of this and they filed a lawsuit, obviously. Mm. The title was changed to originally Super Ape and then <laughs> to Ape. A dot P dot E. Dot. dot org yeah and they had to add a tagline uh not to be confused with king kong on their oh yeah questions. i remember seeing that it was great yeah the korean title which this movie is set in korea it translates to the great counterattack of king kong but it has also been re-released over the years under, under different titles attack of the giant horny gorilla <laughs> and hideous mutant 
I don't know about that one. Well, it, maybe if he was a mutant of some sort. It's like when they changed the name of I Come in Peace to Dark Angel, and you're like, really? Yeah. Uh, How does that apply? I don't see Jessica Alba anywhere. Is that a bad thing? Uh, well, uh, what, what, what do you think? Do you think? Good in Sin City, but... <laughs> She was just dancing in that. Exactly. She she played a stripper cowboy quite well. Yes, exactly. To, to the T. She was on all the posters that men had up in their, uh, you know, dorm rooms. Yeah. Okay. Yep. That poster was is like the Farrah Fawcett poster from the 70s, but for a very short period of time. I'm just saying, how does this uh, equate to her acting talent or prowess? Because that's what you said. That's what she did. That's what she's acting. She was a cowboy stripper. Mm. Mm. Case closed. It's because she was so good in her role that they felt the need to memorialize that forevermore above their beds. No, they didn't memorialize anything. She's still alive. They commemorated it, perhaps, but they definitely didn't. See, they eulogized about the cowboy stripper that died tragically. I think falling they, off of the bucking bronco machine. I think they come commemorated that. All right, here we are. That's fine. Just dragging the bottom. It's like working with Andrew Dice Clay. <laughs> hey, uh, yeah, I don't have a uh, Jack and Jill. Uh... Uh, little boy blue his nose. That's Andrew Nice Clay. <laughs> Andrew Nice Clay. All right, so let's let's get this started. Did you feel like this movie just kind of started in the middle of a movie? already going on there's a lot of pieces of this movie where they don't really explain anything you're just there things are happening there's no motivation there's no explanation there's just things happening and then the movie goes on <laughs> yes it continues on and on apparently when they shot the film they got it all done they screened it for themselves and it was just an hour long and so they went in and did a bunch of reshoots <laughs> Oh my god, that's great. That's, it's only an hour long. It's because they remade King Kong and then only gave you two acts of it. Like the first act about them setting it up, setting up the whole uh, the premise of the film, all of the lead up, and then getting to the island and discovering the thing. They don't do any of that. They just start off going, man, it was hard to catch that ape, huh? Yeah. Well, he's pretty big. <laughs> what are you talking about? In fact, let's uh, let's get into it. So... The credits, they open over a lonely boat in the shadow of the ocean. This is obviously a tiny little model. I have a note about the the, the credits, too. Um, in my drunken stupor, uh, I wrote down. <laughs> so at one point, I think it was, it was either produced or written by a guy named Paul something and then a guy named Rubens something. And I thought it was really funny that it was Paul Rubens. That, that, that's, that's the state of mind I was in. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Maybe you should have watched a, a slightly more sober, but you might not have enjoyed it as much. No, no. Took some edibles and... Oh, man. Edibles and alcohol? And then ape? Yeah. <laughs> I got nothing to live for. That's what ape stands for. Alcohol, partner, and edibles. <laughs> All right. Keep going. All right. So, yes, we open on a little ship. We find out that it's an American ship because it has an American flag. So small. But it's an American boat. We cut to apparently the captain who's up on the top deck and he's staring out off into the night, uh, into the distance, and he's lighting up a smoke. And then another crew member comes up. This is a part I didn't make out in the dialogue. 
but I read mm-hmm. somewhere, so I don't know if it's true. The ape was discovered in Harlem? Oh my god, no. Really? That's what I read. I don't know if that's true. Wait, so... Yeah, okay. So it's an American boat. It has nothing to do with Korea at this point. Found an ape in Harlem, and then its first stop, as they say, is Disneyland. So... Oh, they do say that. So I'm apparently they're going to New York, going, I guess, south, and then... By route of Korea. <laughs> that's the thing. So... We'll get to that in a second. The crew member, I just love what they're talking about the ape, and he's like, almost 36 feet tall. Mm-hmm. Wow. It's great. And he seems to be a little little worried about this giant ape they have on, on board. And the captain says, I wouldn't worry. The gas should keep him out for another five days. The next thing we hear is the giant crash. What? And then a giant finger comes up through the hole in the boat. Then the crewman goes... In this exact tone. Oh, shit. He does. Yes, that's true. Then we pull back. Uh, The little model is now shaking in the water. Then explosions on this boat. Mm -hmm. Then after the explosions, you know, which are like sparklers, then there's fireballs on this boat. (laughs) Then an M80 is blown up underwater. (laughs) And then cherry bomb. Then the boat is just gone. There is no boat. There's only Zool. Yeah, exactly. There is no spoon. (laughs) I know. And then the giant ape, well, a man in an obvious giant ape suit emerges from the water. Is it better or worse an ape suit than in trading places? Uh, I would say worse. I would say worse. At least that's all of one piece. This, like, the head is literally detached from the suit. So there are times when he moves that you see his T-shirt underneath <laughs> the suit. And, and it, it says, where's the beef? <laughs> we casually skipped over the abject racism of finding an ape in Harlem. Yeah, that again, I wanted to preface that, that I didn't actually remember hearing that or seeing it in the dialogue. But maybe I just wasn't paying close enough attention. Maybe you projected that. I read it off of a website. You know, and the internet never lies to me. So I hope that's not true, but I just wanted to point that out. That's, I mean, they don't say where he comes from either. No. If, if it's not Harlem, then it's who knows where. They just found a 36 foot ape. These two guys, apparently. Almost 36. Almost 36. He's, he's 35 and three quarters. So the ape's in the water. Oh, but what do we see approaching him? I guess that's a shark fin. I can't really tell. He pulls a zombie here. Yes. Yeah. It's uh, you always wanted to see a zombie fight a shark. You got that. Well, now. Zombie with an eye. Yeah. Now you get an ape fighting a shark. Finally. And then the the shark comes. And I mean, we have to say the shark comes because we don't see a shark moving. No. All of a sudden, the shark is just in the ape's hands. And we say it's a shark. But it's obviously just a shark corpse. Yeah, it's an actual shark body. Yeah, it's a, it's a shark body. Obviously, apes and sharks are natural enemies in the wild, but they don't actually fight at any point. No. He just keeps throwing it back and forth in the water. Yeah, I was watching him do this, and I was I was thinking that the director was like, you got to attack the shark more. No, you really got to put us. No, okay, all right, all right. Pretend the shark is your mother. <laughs> no, no, that's not quite working. You're not vicious enough. Okay, okay. He doesn't hit it. He does. He literally punches the, the shark's body. <laughs> you remember that girl from Cout Class? 
the one who wouldn't give you the time of day, but made everybody laugh at you when you got hit with the dodgeball and pissed yourself? Yeah. It's a very specific uh, analogy. Well, I mean, he's... he's. What school did he go to <laughs> that you'd have dodgeball? He's an almost 36-foot type. I mean... Hey, you don't... Ape Academy. That's Harlem, man. That's how it goes. <laughs> Forget it, Jake. It's Harlem. <laughs> Uh, another thing about the shark is, uh, and you're going to, this becomes a motif in the rest of the film. So the ape is almost 36 feet tall. Mm-hmm. He has the shark. If you look at the shark, it is, a, it must be a 30 foot shark. Right. Right. So he's, because it's almost as big as he is. It's almost as big as he is. So apparently he found a little mini megalodon that attacked him after his, uh, his model boat blew up. <laughs> Um, okay, so that's funny that you, that you noticed that too, because like I had the exact same commentary, but for the the opposite reason. So he's in the middle of the ocean, right? Mm-hmm. And he's only nearly thirty six yes. foot tall, and he's standing, he's standing up in the water. Yes, because and the water comes up to his like knees. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> he's fighting a shark. It's mostly out of the water, and I was like, where the hell are they? He'd be like 500 feet tall. Yes. Yeah. It, it's wildly different depending on what they need ape to be. So we get this uh, rotten sockum shark to wuss, uh, and that goes on for like two minutes. And this is a long scene. He just beats the shit out of the shark. Our next bit is him coming up onto shore, and apparently he's now in Korea? Mm-hmm. Yeah. How would he possibly get there? He showed up in the UK, and then he just took the, the channel and then took the rail all the way over. It's not tough. Yeah. Well, I guess he's got a universal oyster card that just allows him to get on any uh, anything. You know, if this was real, though, it'd be like Sony would have done it, and it would have been all sponsored by Sony or LG or something, you know? Because South Korea, corporations are like oligarchies. like the, They're like royal houses, like in Dune, and they just kind of run everything. So the, and, the same uh, way it does everywhere else, they're just a little more obvious with it. Yes, they, that is exactly correct. Yes, they're way more obvious about it. Well, it definitely have to be better than what we got. Well, yeah, probably the sound would probably be better. Oh, we'll get to more of the sound. <laughs> so he comes onto this Korean port, and there's tons of model work here. Mm-hmm. I actually think the where the boats are and the, the little woodwork, I think that's pretty well done. Maybe one of the yeah, better parts bad. of the film. Mm-hmm. But then the ape decides he hates everything. He finds mm-hmm. a light pole. No. Ape hates electricity. Mm-hmm. Destroys that down. Finds a building. No. Ape hate building. Just starts breaking those down. And then did you see this? There's a Korean guard here in the port. And he's just watching over a cage full of barrels. Mm-hmm. And he looks up and he sees this giant ape destroying the town. He does jack. Yeah. Not a thing. What is he going to do, though, really? Okay. A, he has he has a gun with him. He could fire oh, it. Oh, I'm sure that'll work. He could run away. Yeah, I could do that. He could make any type of noise. He could have any type of, like, uh, I don't know, emotion that he shows on his face. Oh, no. That pay, you have to pay extra for that. I mean, that's just one of the basic examples of the many times in this movie where the ape is standing, like, right next to a bunch of people, and they don't notice it until they turn around. <laughs> yes. He's almost 36 feet tall. Oh, there's so many times. Yeah. Uh, uh, I, I hate to say we're going to – we keep getting to it, but there's another one I have to point out later. 
Mm-hmm. Oh, there's some good ones yeah. in there. Yeah. So they have this ape suit. He's just smashing model buildings. They do this thing in the movie. They decide, well, if he's smashing buildings, these things have to catch on fire. So there's just big yeah. flames. And like, I mean, legitimately like. Like explosions. Explosion, exploding flames that are, you know, probably a good like four feet high for mm-hmm. the guy in the suit. And you see him smash it, smash the flames. And if you look, you can see the singe burns on the ape suit from where he's been smashing the flaming <laughs> buildings. One of my favorite parts about that scene, that that rampage that has no motivation whatsoever, is that like there are several buildings where he'll smash them. It's like you can tell, it, well, this is a three-story building, and he towers <laughs> over it, comes up to like his waist, but he's only 36 <laughs> <Yeah>. feet tall. <laughs> <laughs> I have no idea what the, the scale of some of these things are. They're, and there's oh, no. ones where he uh, – they were like, oh, we're going to make him destroy these buildings. He's going to jump into them like right on top of them. Oh, yeah. And he almost yeah. falls over almost every time he does it. Yeah. Every time he steps into one of the roofs. That's really good. Then mm-hmm. he starts throwing the gasoline barrels around like little – Oh, he's Donkey Kong. Man, oh, if we could have had a little Mario character – Oh, man, if, yeah, if there had been a terrible Italian stereotype in this movie, we'd have killed it. Instead, we get horrible American stereotypes. Yes. Well, I mean, no, they're not, not horrible in that they're incorrect. Horrible in that uh, they're terrible people. <laughs> uh, well, maybe hmm, – is there any character that you really – maybe one? I'm okay with maybe the the police captain, maybe. Maybe. I mean, there's honestly, there's no connection to any character in this movie. Oh, no. It's just like you're coming into the middle of a movie. Yeah. They, they skip over all the important stuff that makes you connect or, like, introduces characters or the exposition. They just, they're like, well, we don't have the money for it, so we're just going to skip that part. Yeah. And then they jump straight into the second act, and you're like, oh, okay, well, let's make this as long as possible. This has been the first ten minutes of the film, and I counted. <laughs> there were seven lines of dialogue in the first ten minutes. And it's mostly in the first scene. Yes, it's just in that first scene. Nobody talks after that. The ape Mm-mm. doesn't even make any noise. But now that we're in Korea, it's time for the plot. And the plot only comes when we have white actors around. Yeah, it's right, the Americans, yeah. So we see a guy, and he comes to the airport, and he's like, hey, is, uh, is Mrs. Uh, around? And the Korean flight is in, and she's like, oh, you know, the, the plane's landing now. And then we see a flock of Korean reporters surround this blonde actress. Oh, yes, yes. The mom from Growing Pains. The mom from Growing Pains. Exactly. Mm-hmm. I didn't even have to look it up. I was like, oh, she looks exactly the same. I didn't notice her right away. She just seemed just like any other blonde actress. Well, from a distance, I was like, who's th- who's this Kate Capshaw <laughs> <Yes>. wannabe? <laughs> and I'm like, oh, nope, that's the mom from Growing Pains. How did they land this one? Uh, Kate Cantshaw is what she is. <laughs> Uh, but she's playing the the role of Marilyn Baker. Kate Capsham. <laughs> I got nothing. Kate Capshant. <laughs> Whatever. Uh, so she's talking to the Korean reporters, and she's she's so happy for her quote unquote first visit to the Orient. Oof. So oof. yikes. Yes. I literally in my notes I wrote woof. This sucks. <laughs> yeah. Then the, the other white gentleman that we saw before, the Mister Rose. Uh, shows up and he's playing. So she's an actress who's come to Korea to shoot a film, the Korean producers. And mm-hmm. he's kind of meta. Really, it really is in a way, especially the director later on is a, he's named Dino. I was like, oh, oh, yeah. okay. I, I see, see what, what you're, you're doing, doing there. there. 
Okay. All right. But Mr. Rose, he, for a newspaper, but he's also uh, stalking her. <laughs> she mm, wasn't mm-hmm. expecting to see him. He has just shown up in Seoul to like be with her. It's because they're soulmates. Oh, hey. <laughs> I can say that because I have a Korean friend. Everything's better. I do like this bit. I mean, essentially, she's like, I love you. I want to be with you all the time. Let's f- and she's like, uh, stop talking about love. I thought I told you about that. But then mm-hmm. they proceed to kiss. They get in a car. Oh, by the way, the most awkward, upsetting making out I've ever seen. She reviles this guy. Oh, like, yeah. It, he goes full on tongue first. And you can tell the entire time she's like, please, God, do not make me make out with this guy. And so they make their make out sessions the longest scenes in the movie. <laughs> they do this thing where he's going to ride with her to her hotel. And he's just trying to, like, shove his tongue down her gullet. Into her abdomen. Constantly. And she has to pull away and was, like, pointing to the building, like, what's that? And he's like, oh, that's where the president lives. Now make out with me, baby. It's really, really awkward because you could tell she's like, uh, okay. Uh. Yeah. And he's like, how about I take you up to your hotel and put you to bed, huh? Back off, man. <laughs> I'm a scientist. She doesn't want it, but she's not fighting too hard. Perhaps... She feels something truly horrific will happen if she just flat out tells him no constantly. But those are our main characters. Yay. Aren't aren't mm. we happy to be have them in the film now? Mm, glorious. Then we cut to the the countryside where a farmer has uh, come across giant tracks that are ape tracks. I guess maybe honestly one of the better design elements of the film, the practical effect. Then he, I guess he just looks up and, oh, there's a giant ape. Like he didn't see that on the like horizon. He did, yeah. Uh, his he's, periphery. He can, he can only look in the, in the next, you know, two feet in front of him at all times. He's like a dog. He can't look up. Yeah. He, he saw it. He looked back down. He has no object permanence. So he forgot that <laughs> yeah, there was an ape He forgot there. it was there. Yeah. He had a cool tractor, too. He I did. It was awesome. Yeah, it was, a, it was a nice tractor. I've never seen anything like that. It was kind of like this weird, like, small modular thing. And, like, I don't know, it was like a motorcycle tractor. It was kind of cool. <laughs> We're doing moto track now. It's, it's, it's a motocross mixed with tractor pulls. Yeah, I was going to say farm, tr- farm cross. Yeah, that's good. <laughs> uh, then we cut to uh, Captain Kim, maybe the only <laughs> decent character in the whole film. And he's just the police captain. Uh, he's there with his, his kids and his wife. They're having breakfast. He gets a call. Oh, something is awry. <laughs> There's a giant ape? I don't know. Um, and then his kids are like, are giant ape monsters real? And he's like, if you don't eat your breakfast, I'll turn into a monster. And, oh, yeah, and he has yeah. a, a bonding moment with them. And it's like, oh, It's okay. kind of like the – you know, it kind of reminds me of that whole thing with that, with that character and his family. Or it reminds me of the host – Okay, I can kind of see that. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, it's kind of like kind of like a simple version of that early dynamic in that film. Yeah. Also Korean. I I think that's a a key juncture there. There that helps. <laughs> then we uh we cut to uh a military police officer and he's driving into I I guess it's a I I guess it's the farm area or a base. I can't really tell. But my own for, private airfield. <laughs> my own private Idaho airfield. <laughs> but they have him drive into the scene 
and he's just driving, and you just see him drive right into a pole that goes <laughs> yeah, through I his windshield. Oh yeah, why does he do and that? And he's like, "Why are you? Why did you do? You, it didn't like come out of anywhere. It's just there, and he just keeps the gas pedal he on. Just, he he drove straight into a two by four. Yeah. Which was, it wasn't even like a it wasn't even like a branch or anything. No, it was no. A, it was a man made two by four, and he drives straight into it without swerving, not even breaking eye contact with it. <laughs> like, like he looks straight ahead, and it just goes through. And he's like, oh. Weird. It's like uh, <laughs> he gets out of the car, and just know, walks like, away. Wood isn't supposed to be in this car, huh? <laughs> what was with that part? I don't understand that part at I all. I have. I mean, I guess it's supposed to be like, oh, the all of a sudden, like something comes out and smashes through his windshield, some type of debris. But he ran into but it's, it. It's right there. We see him. We're behind him as yeah. they drive into it. So it's like I saw it. How could you not see it? It's like on the back of a truck or something, and he just drives yeah, straight he drives into it. Right into it. Then we we see another model shot of this town, debris, and it's in flames. And boy, is this cheap! <laughs> yeah, it's pretty bad. Of the the model stuff we had before, those look like the Mona Lisa. This this is just horrific. Then we cut to I, for some reason, an American colonel and. The sound in this particular scene, like they're filming, maybe they had a bucket that they put the microphone in, and then they put that bucket in another room. Hmm. It's like our first episode. That's worse than our first episode, and that's saying something. <laughs> it's pretty bad. This colonel, he's probably the swarthiest of all the crew. True. Just making jokes. I'm, I'm guessing they put a lot of his scenes that they filmed afterwards just to put in some levity. You mean like Raymond Burr when they stuck him into Kojira? Yes, something more akin to that. Maybe we're supposed to relate with him on some level, but he just comes off like an asshole. Uh-huh. He does make one joke about, this is Korea. This isn't Scotland. Uh, the Loch Ness Monster isn't making it over the Berlin Wall. Is that a joke? I guess it's supposed to be. Are you telling a joke? <laughs> Should I laugh? You're kind of framing it timing-wise like a joke, but I don't see why it's funny. <laughs> But the gist of the scene is that he doesn't believe there's a giant ape monster running around. It can't be. All he has to do is look outside. If and he, he refuses if to he do so. If he looked out his window, but he, no, he just wants to look. <laughs> there's there's a, and a later, I don't know if it's this scene or another one, but there's a guy who keeps coming in and he'll bring him papers or uh, oh, yeah. have him sign something, you know, or the, the press is there. And he'll just look at him with disdain. And there's a time where he's like, what are you still doing here? Oh, yeah. Why do you hate Jim? It's like a hated radar. Yeah. He just hates him. And I hope that this guy is peeing in his coffee before he serves it to him every morning. Or putting rat poison in it a la 9 to 5. <laughs> ah, 9 to 5 bit. Nice. Hey, it's my favorite movie about poisoning Debbie Goldman, so. There's such a laundry list to go through for those, though. Oh, Drexel's class, uh, Beverly Hillbillies, uh, most of their original scripts had them poisoning him. Yeah, even Cloak and Dagger, he was supposed to be poisoned. in his son's mind. (laughs) That's the twist. If anyone ever wants to know what the font for Stranger Things, the title screen is, it's from Cloak and Dagger. You can now rest easy. Hmm. This man is a liar. That is true. Or is it? Uh Uh-oh. Because I'm a liar. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> now it's a thought experiment. It's a Rollins band song all of a sudden. Oh, man. 
So our next scene is this tremendously weird scene. It's a road, and we see this flood of children running towards us. And we are taken to family land. Every kid's <laughs> favorite abandoned theme park. It's suddenly like a, a Scooby-Doo plot got swarmed by children. It's so weird. They climb over this fence, and then one kid lets all the other kids in, and then they go to play on all the rides. I guess all the rides- Which are that, working. Well, actually, none of the rides are working. They were just playing on- Monkey bars? No, not monkey bars. You know we have like- We're watching a movie called Ape, and you don't- <laughs> Playground. Wow. Playground. Yep. Wow. It's difficult. Oof. Words are hard. Oof. I'm trying to figure them out. Still takes time. That's what my degree is for. Mm. So anyway, mm-hmm. these children are playing on the playground equipment that is functional. And you're getting, <laughs> it's almost like the music in the film is diegetic. Because if you watch, the ape is bobbing his head along to the music. Yes. As he's watching the kids play. Did you notice that a lot of the music from essentially that joke about the Berlin Wall to that scene sounds like Halloween? Uh, I don't know if I would have classified it as that. A lot of this movie, the weird thing is that they keep using stuff that sounds like other songs, but it's just slightly different. Even some of it sounds like like public domain songs, but slightly tweaked. It's really bizarre. Yeah. The way I classified it in my notes is it's, it's noise, it's songs that would be the amusement park for the elderly soundtrack. Yeah, but, but without royalties. Yeah. No, and it's just like, it's kind of creepy. None of it fits. No, none of it works in that at all. But the ape really loves it. Oh, the ape is digging these tunes. He's going ape for it. (laughs) I like to think that all of this music is just in his head because it's not playing anywhere. So every tune we hear is just what's going on in the ape's mind. I really hope so. I really hope that's the fact. That's where Muzak lives on (laughs) inside this giant ape. I wonder what that giant ape is thinking. (laughs) Yeah, it just sounds like a carousel or something. (laughs) No wonder he wants to destroy everything. The tiny Oompa band that's constantly playing in his head. Then they see the ape, because obviously they run away. And then we cut back to the colonel, and he has a call with Captain Kim. And this is where he literally makes a pointed King Kong reference. Not the last one, either. Oh, well. There are two. Did they actually say King Kong? They actually mention King Kong in two different places. That one, and then one by the mom from Growing Pains. <laughs> Do you mean Marilyn Baker? Yes. I will say that she can scream. She does a lot of that in this for no reason. A lot. Like when she's in that cave and she could just go to the back of the cave yeah. instead of standing there screaming. <laughs> she stays within six inches of the ape and just screams. Just go to the other part of the cave. <laughs> like move back three feet oh. and you're fine. No, no, please just scream into the microphone for three more minutes, please. Oh, it goes on forever. She puts a lot of Scream Queens to shame in that movie. She really does. I don't know if there are many other movies that just get that many screams. And she didn't really have that much dialogue other than screams. Scream didn't have that much screams in it. And that's something. Halloween didn't have that many screams in it. Humanity was the beast all along. Uh. So uh, we cut to Ape. I'm just going to call him Ape, because why not? He doesn't have a name. He doesn't have a name. He has no name. The Ape with no name. Fistful of woman? Oh. For oh. a few women more? For a, f- <laughs> for a few screams more. I think that might be... Uh, yeah. Mm, yeah, it might work. Hmm. What's the other one? Once Upon a Time in Korea? It's not bad, but it actually sounds like a Tarantino yeah, movie. It's, it's a little on the nose, isn't it? 
<laughs> it's on the snout, my friend. And then there's Ape Rider, but I mean, that's not technically canon. <laughs> yeah, I don't have anything mm-hmm. else. That was, that was, that's nah, it. I figured. Yeah, sorry. Beating the dead horse here. <laughs> Take that. <laughs> so then we see another of our giant animals, apparently. He comes across a tree with a snake in it. Oh, the snake. And the snake, if you've seen other King Kong movies, yes, he's in a land, a mythical land of giant creatures. So if you have, I don't know, a 50 foot snake, Okay, it's a 50-foot snake. But in this, it's a snake that's it's supposed like, to be a regular snake. It's supposed to be a regular snake. So it'd be like, I don't know, the size of his finger? Uh, the size of his arm? Not even close to that big. It was the snake from Anaconda. It was, yes. It was uh, the snake from Snake Plissken's chest. That's what it was. <laughs> the one that's wrapped obviously around his... <laughs> Someone's been listening to another podcast. Yeah, I remember Kansas City in 96. I never got any snake tattoos. I'll tell you that right now. <laughs> Especially not on you. I think it's like tattooed around it. Oh, around the pelvic... Well, you see what I'm that's saying? That's not that different from... Like it's supposed to be... Wait, you think it's going around his taint? No, come on now. What am I coming on? You're the one who's like, oh, well, you wouldn't go all the way with it. I guarantee you it just doesn't fade out as it comes to his pelvic bone. Watch out. He'll strike from the weeds. If all of New York is a prison colony, then probably a big lice problem. (laughs) They already have a problem with bedbugs, and it's not a prison, so. All right. They already have a big rat problem and a Mm -hmm. big pigeon problem. And a chud problem. And a chud problem. But if you separate it and there's less of everything, do you just get more rats, more pigeons, more chuds? I mean, it's a good question. I mean, it's kind of like, how did the Black Death spread, you know? It's one of those things where, like, Kill all the cats, they don't kill the rats that have the fleas that spread the thing, and then next thing you know, Isaac Hayes is the Duke of New York. A number one, my friend. A number one. <laughs> so he's fighting off the snake. Mm-hmm, sure is. And I think this is when the fact that this film was shot for 3D literally jumped out at me. That's hilarious. Now a lot of this makes more sense. Does it? Because I, I would never have assumed that watching it. Oh, you didn't? Huh, Okay. I guess maybe just because I knew that going into it, but this live snake is thrown at the camera, literally hits the camera, and it goes ajar. Oh, no, that explains when he starts throwing rocks, why that Yes, yes. So every every time there's something thrown at the camera, that's... That kind of makes it better. If I saw it in 3D, maybe it would be better. Yeah. This is why you're doing what you're doing. Distinct choices, not just Mm -hmm. bad for bad sake. Then we get my favorite part of the whole film, personally. We just cut from the snake to these three thugs are trying to beat up this martial arts guy, and they start Mm. fighting. I think this is the best shot bit of the whole film, the most enjoyable part of the film. It's actually a martial arts film being filmed inside the film. Oh, yeah, where it gets super meta. Yes. That was awesome. That's where you get- That part was awesome. Yeah, you get a lot of swords and daggers are coming right at the screen, and they'll cut away, you know, as the guy dodges. That was definitely intentionally meta, and you're right, it is the best. Yeah, I was like, oh, whoa, this is cool. It's kind of Tarantino-esque, bordering on Charlie Kaufman type stuff, you know? (laughs) Let's not get that far. I mean, they do shoot another movie in this movie, and I don't know... I said (laughs) esque. I just think we need to pump our brakes a bit. Maybe we should just let Charlie Kaufman write this. I'm fine with that. Uh, Charlie Kaufman's giant ape? I'm so down. (laughs) uh, Adaptation of giant ape, yeah. uh, Being giant ape? The eternal sunshine of the spotless ape. (laughs) You just ape it, man. Just ape it. Just go for it, man. Don't think about it, man. Just ape it. Ape in that shit. Just ape right in there, man. Gotta go to an ape shop. Ape up if you got them. 
So then the ape comes across and he's like, whoa, what's going on here? And the film set was like, oh, it's a giant ape. Let's fight him. <laughs> yeah, the, the actors decide to fight <laughs> the him. The actors decide to fight him. So then they start shooting with flaming arrows that they have. Yeah, where did that come from? I have no idea. And like a lot of them too. Yeah, they just roll into frame. Yeah, again, the size of these arrows, they would be toothpicks, maybe. Mm-hmm. But I mean... They look like harpoons. Yeah, they're giant in comparison to what they should be. It looks like he stumbled across the set of Hero. <laughs> yeah. And they're shooting at the camera as well. At the end of the scene, they're still shooting with arrows, and he's kind of like uh, swatting away. The rest of the crew has found a log, and they're running it. Like, all the six guys running with this log to Batter Ram. Oh, yeah. We don't see what happens to him because it just cuts there. Oh, it does, yeah. They just get smashed. Obviously, they just smash. What What was their plan there? Well, they were going to break down the drawbridge doors, obviously. <laughs> break down the ape of Jericho? Yeah, right. You know, it's around this time, too, that I think it's either right before that scene or right after that scene where they do that thing where they meet in, I think it's the police captain's office. There's a scene where they meet in an office. And I remember very specifically, I wrote it down because it looked almost exactly like the office from The Shining. Okay. It's like, ah, oh, the impossible room. <laughs> It's even in Korea. You might be a little deep down that ape hole. Oh, just because I like that documentary. I, I just said, eh. Whether that particular captain scene happens or not now, I do know that the next major scene we get is we're back in the colonel's office. And for whatever reason, he says, uh, oh, no, this is when he has met with the colonel has met the police force captain. Mm hmm little radar friend was like hey look the press are here they have questions and he goes to hell with the press i'm gonna <laughs> smoke this cigarette oh yeah that's right and he gets one of long life cigarettes it's captain kim's favorite brand that was very good yeah you can only get those in chinatown here in america <laughs> <laughs> but it's true they do give you long life mm -hmm. they're not misleading in any way shape or form your, your cancer has long life we cut Hard cut again to uh, mm -hmm. just some hang gliders, just hang gliding around. Oh, uh, yeah. I did write down that there's a complete lack of transitions in this movie. Oh, yeah. They don't even try. Like, none. No, not no, at all. they're not even trying. Nope. Nope. We're just jumping right into the sky now with hang gliders. Yeah, it's, a, it's around this time that I wrote down, um, and I don't remember exactly the scene, transitions, colon, how many are dead? He's doing all these rampages. And there's got to be, like, hundreds of thousands of people dead, right? They only show the aftermath of the destruction that he's wrought only mm -hmm. once, and that is the scene where the guy runs into the wood. They do show civilians running away. Yes, we get evacuations pretty soon. We use that footage twice, by yes. the way, the same footage. Yes, we're just reusing it. They film two different things. A bus is driving away, and there's an old woman, and she needs to get to this little boy, and then... The same bus, and there's just people running after the bus and jumping on the sides of it. Jumping on the bus and stuff, I thought that was kind of cool. Oh, the desperation and everything. Oh, this drama with this old woman. And then there's no drama. Well, just get the old woman, and then they go on. It's really sensible. <laughs> it really is. There's an old woman who needs help. Well, help her. <laughs> Pick her up! Uh, during this hang glider scene, we get another awful model where maybe the only time they try to do the representation of scale in any way, he steps over a small 
plastic cow toy that is supposed to be a real cow. Yeah. Which obviously wouldn't really work with that scale either. No, but at least they tried. Kind of. Every other animal is huge in comparison. Normal size. Oh, this is a small cow. Let's represent him as being a giant ape that would tower over this. Compare that to the buildings he crashed into. That cow was 15 foot tall. <laughs> That's a big cow. Tell them about the Twinkie. <laughs> At this point in the film, it truly is an ape nation. Get back on this ape and ride it till it dies. So I also have a note here that says, and I don't remember what scene this, to which this refers, but it just says, kind of a commentary on rape culture. Oh, that's probably the next scene. So, uh... Okay, good, good. I'm not crazy. So the next scene, we cut to some underground prison area? It's unidentified, but they are practicing for their film scene where it, it's apparently a film about rape. And this particular one's going to be a prison oh, rape. That's right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. There's a weird line from the director. She gets asked why the main character is wearing a robe. And she says because it's cold on the set. But it's in the movie. Like, but it's, it's part of the movie. In the movie. Yes. They film it right after that. Because the other actor in the scene is going to try to come on to her and rape her, and he's got to, like, start tearing at her clothes. <laughs> they have this weird bit, and it's like, why do they need to do this? Where they call cut, and then the director's like, oh, you need to be a bit more gentle. And then the actor's like, but I'm trying to rape her. This is a rape scene. It's a rape scene. I got to rape Even her. Even she's like, oh, back off, you know. And then she runs away in the scene. Well, she doesn't run away yet. The runaway is a different rape scene. Oh, good. They filmed two rape scenes in this fake movie they're making. Oh, yeah. Jesus. Yeah. Right after this is when Mr. Rose, the reporter Rose, the other rapist of the film, <laughs> the rapist to be, he has come to set and he sneaks her away to an empty prison cell on the set because apparently they're filming on location. And he's like, baby, you got to get out of Korea. Something bad's going down, mm -hmm. but if you want to, let's make out right now. And then she's like, I know you're a rapist, but... Yeah, he's just so horned up this whole film. Yeah, it's really bad. But he does have a, an amazing collection of leisure suits. Oh, yeah. when there's a scene where he meets up with Captain Kim, they're old chums, and Captain Kim's like, hey, I'm about to go scope out for this ape. And he's like, ah, uh, let me go change and I'll be right back. And he comes back and he's got this blue turtleneck and then this blue bell-bottom suit. It's denim. It's quite the look. He has several costume changes throughout the movie. Yeah, and he's like so close to being in Canadian tuxedo that it's kind of a shame that he doesn't go full on. Yeah, so close. He wants it hard. Yeah, so Ravsdauer. <laughs> I mean, it'd be nice if you could figure out how to make a denim turtleneck. I'd be so <laughs> down. You cannot find them in the wild anymore. Denim turtlenecks. <laughs> you gotta hunt them down. They're like truffles. I'm sorry. The denim turtleneck is extinct. We hunted them to extinction. <laughs> Kept chasing them off cliffs in mass. One thylacine left and one denim turtleneck, and we, we killed mm -hmm. them. Got them all. So after this uh, this rape scene in a rape prison, then we get a shot, one of those aforementioned evacuation scenes, where it's, it's evacuation B-roll. Mm -hmm. And then we get back on the set. So I had the closed captioning on, and before this next scene, it says, Jaunty Orchestra is what's playing. <laughs> And this is another rape escape scene where now mm. she has changed her outfit, but the actor is in the same outfit mm -hmm. and she is running away from his rape through a palace set. It's like a weird courtyard thing. Looks like the Vatican kind yeah, of. Yeah. Yeah. Or like, a, you know, like an emperor's abandoned palace. 
But it's like open air courtyard. Yes. Yeah. They're running down the steps and over a bridge and whatnot. It, when they cut away to that stair scene, I was like, uh, it'd be really funny if you cut away to that scene in Joker when he's <laughs> going down the stairs <laughs> to, to Gary Glitter, of all people. <laughs> Ah, that also is jaunty. Sure is. At some point, this ape has snuck through the countryside, and now he is watching from afar. They cut the scene because one of the cameramen says he saw something in the distance in the camera, but he couldn't quite make it out. Even though he's standing right there. Even though he's standing right there. So they go to do the scene again. And she's running. The actor pulls up because he, like, pulled a hammy, trying to rape her too hard. Oh, yeah. And she just keeps running. She's running and running. And she literally runs right into this ape's hand that she didn't but doesn't see, see it. it. She didn't see it. The crew doesn't seem to see it. She just disappears. Mm-hmm. Yeah. She's just gone. Right. She's like, oh, shit, it's a giant hand. <laughs> didn't see that coming. My dream has come true. And it's not like he snuck up behind her. No. He's directly in front he's of her. right in front of her. Yeah, it doesn't make any damn sense. He's watching them film this scene. If he can see them, they have to be able to see him. I mean, they're kind of like, oh, I kind of thought I saw something. And it's like him standing in the background waving. <laughs> like, he's like, he very obviously is standing there. Hey, hey, are you guys filming right now? Should I be off the set? Then, And then we get into the fun game of what scale is this supposed to be, really? Because he ha- basically grabs a Barbie doll. Yes. Which seems to change sizes at various points in the film. Yeah. Where it goes from like five inches to 18 inches, depending on which scene it is. Whatever they feel like. But when you do the close-ups where she's in his hand, she fits in the palm of his hand. But then when he's running away, he has to hold her by two hands because she's so big. (laughs) They just don't know what to do. They're trying so hard. Speaking of not knowing what to do, uh, we get Captain Kim and the boyfriend rapist reporter. Mm -hmm. And they're together and... They kind of see Ape. Uh, wait, what was his name? What did we call him? No, I don't know. Uh, who cares? Uh, they see um, <laughs> <laughs> Mr. Ape uh, run away Ape. with the, the woman. And Captain Kim, uh, he says, well, I think we should, uh, we should follow them and wait. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds about right. Yeah, and, and the guy's like, just wait. He's like, well, if he wanted to kill her, we can't stop him. I was like, he's the sensible yeah, one. Though, yeah, honestly, exactly. that's legitimately like, yeah, Captain Kim's like, right. okay, uh, yeah, I, yeah, what are we gonna do? Well, there's nothing we can do. And then the U.S. military is like, well, wait and see. Yeah, shock and awe. Yeah, that's that's when the military starts to show up for the first time. Well, because the guy, the, the colonel or whatever, has to finally admit that this giant ape is ravaging yes. Korea. Uh, so he he finally admits that, and he, he's talking to his superiors in America, and he's like, uh, okay, are you sure? Okay. And he's like, they don't want us to kill the ape. America wants him captured. Mm-hmm. I was like, are we trying to like, like make an ape super soldier? Yeah. It's, is this is like alien or? Because, uh, I mean- if we all right, take take like uh, take this movie and then let's 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 put it forward in time. Uh, do robot jocks in a way, but it's giant Whoa. creatures they find. I'd be down for that. Yeah, yeah. You you so, put like well, some so, like brain box on them, and you gotta like send them out to do battle with whatever other country's giant creature they found. I hate to exp- I hate to say it, but you've just explained Pokemon. <laughs> Yeah, but none of them are 36 <laughs> feet tall. Kaiju Pokemon. Yes. Why, let's do that. 
Yeah, I'd watch the shit out of that. Yeah. Even better than Pacific Rim, which well, is great. And I love it. Yeah, it's, I mean, we'll, we'll we'll see. I mean, you don't get a lot of rocket punches in, if you in threw the a giant uh, giant Pokemon. mech suits in there on top of the uh, the giant Pokemon. What if they're wearing mech suits? Oh God! I need to watch Robot Jocks again. <laughs> is it Tuesday? <laughs> yes, we're watching Robot Jocks again. It's like Robot Jocks and Arena are two movies that are like, <laughs> nobody watched this but Jake and I. Oh, that movie's f- rad. So many actors from Deep Space so Nine. So that- many, yes. And Babylon 5. Yes, 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 yes. It is the nexus between. It truly is. If we do a DS9 versus Babylon yeah. 5 episode. That ends with Arena. We'll do a series of those two and it ends with Arena as they face off. Did you ever think that guy, the, the human guy, did, doesn't he kind of remind you of a blonde Christopher Reeve? Yes, very much so. He looks exactly like it. Yeah. It's really weird. Yeah, it felt like if they were going to cast Superman as Captain America, that's the guy you cast. <laughs> Super soldier? Is Amalgam coming your way, folks? You oh, bet it boy, is. Oh, boy, oh, boy, oh, boy. No, we're going to do a whole episode on Amalgam, Call my that a teaser in the biz. Oh, we're going to do it, because we have an entire thing we've been working on for 20 years. <laughs> Thankfully, we drunk it all away. The first batch of military shown up, and they're trying to take him without killing him. And this is when the ape is just, the guy in the ape suit is just dancing over B-roll footage of military. Mm-hmm. And then you get these 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 toy choppers that are buzzing around. <laughs> and he just Dikembe Mutombo's those right out of the air. Oh, yeah. He totally swats their <laughs> all the way to half court. <laughs> yeah. And it's so funny because they keep trying. And then he's like, he fails at first. He's like, oh, no. And he's like trying to avoid him. And then he's like... Oh, yeah, bitch, don't bring that in my house, yeah. and then just slaps him down. No Clyde the Glide, driving for the hoop on this one. There's a Kimolaja one all over the place here. <laughs> and so this is where we get the iconic shot, the most famous shot of this film. Which is brilliant. Which is brilliant. They probably did this at the end as well, because it's completely meta, where he has destroyed this military, and he turns to the camera, and the ape flips off the camera. Yep. Because uh, a giant ape would know exactly what that means. Yeah. He learned it from watching other his ape dad. You know what I kept thinking about, though, watching this? Is that just Korea saying, hey, America, thanks for the Korean War. F*** you, assholes. One might like to hope, but... Well, because he just destroyed the American military. Yeah. They were, like, dickless the whole time. It's an American director doing all of this. But it wasn't produced in Korea, though? It was the director and his brother who wrote it. Who also did some... Oh, I see some Next Gen on here. What, really? Oh, no! Yeah, he was a writer for The Next Generation. No! He also did Kung Fu The Legend Continues. Oh, my... Flipper. He only did one... (laughs) He did one episode of The Next Gen. The Perfect Mate. Oh, the one with Famke Jansen. Hello. All right. It's actually a really good episode. And Famke Jansen is like peak... Peak fan of Jansen. Some of the producers were Korean. Yeah, that's what I thought. Yeah, but I mean, the writer and director was American. The American actors speaking English are all dubbed over, which is hilarious. <laughs> yeah. More people are escaping now. We go back to the colonel, and he's like, all right, this mission failed, so any more lives that are lost are on your head. And America is finally like, okay, you can kill him, I guess. I guess. That's fine. What was their plan to keep him alive? They had nothing. They just had helicopters. They didn't have like a giant net or like a tiger trap or like a, a boat. Uh, they just had, they were just like, take these helicopters, buzz them around him, and then I'm sure he'll go with us to America. Yeah, because they lost their one eight boat. They had the one eight boat, and that's that's gone. Yeah, you can't get one of those. I mean, the replacement parts alone. <laughs> 
They stopped making those in 1958. <laughs> so then they've rescued the girl, the fake Fay Ray, and mm-hmm. they're driving away. And I don't know if you remember, but the reporter guy is just trying to f*** her again. Can I propose faux Ray? Ah, uh, faux Ray. I like it. There it is. So now they take faux Ray. They take her to, <laughs> to Captain Kim's residence to hang out with his children and his wife. And I don't know whether maybe... Mr. Ape can smell her, but now he's tracking her down. For no reason. For no reason. And he starts busting up the city. Well, busting makes him feel good. Oh, step on a church in my town. (laughs) So then we get this weird, unnecessarily horny scene of this Jackie Gleason wannabe American businessman who has, I guess, purchased this prostitute and he's about to have sex with her. And she begins to, like, start removing her clothes and then I, I can't tell if the ape sees this is happening or just happens right. to bust into that room in that building. But then they run off. Are you trying to say something here? But they don't seem to be. I mean, it seems like they should be. They but should they're be. not really. No, it's just, I mean, it's not funny. It feels like they're on the edge of trying to make some sort of commentary about American intervention in Southeast Asia in the 50s, 60s, 70s. But do they? I mean, they don't really get to anything. It doesn't really get anywhere. No, it goes nowhere. It doesn't say anything. I think maybe one of the next scenes is probably the closest I felt they had to commentary. Because you see after the prostitute runs away and and you see Ape destroying buildings. And he's like smashing Mm. them down with his fists. And then you cut to Captain Chan's wife is playing with this marionette and... Oh, yeah, which is a scene that goes on for a really long time. It goes on for a long time, and the kids are just kind of pointing and laughing at it, and Faux Ray is there, and she's kind of like looking worryingly, because I guess she can hear and or see that the ape is coming, because- Her spidey sense is tingling. Yeah, her her ape sense is going wild. He's destroying the city right outside, Mm -hmm. and they cut back to the ape destroying, back to the marionette dancing, back to the ape destroying, back to the marionette, and it's like- you have to be doing this for a reason. But then they don't go anywhere. But they don't go anywhere with it. It's not even like a Punch and Judy show. Like, they're not doing anything. It's literally just a marionette bouncing around. There's no narrative. Nope. There's no- Nobody's talking. It's just kids pointing and laughing and then groping at it. Yeah. As it's bouncing around. Because they've never seen a, a piece of wood in the likeness of a man. Uh, is this idolatry? <laughs> they keep trying to grab it, and she's like, no. Yeah. It doesn't, it's so bizarre. It doesn't make any sense. It's funny that we have an ape that's destroying our hometown, our way of life. Is this, is the ape America? Is the puppet Korea? Or, <laughs> like, what are you saying here? I don't, I don't know. know. I'm grasping at ape straws here. I feel like this is a fertile ground where you could make commentary, and they just don't seem Nope, nope, it completely goes silent in that realm. At exactly 59 minutes and 30 seconds, one of the characters, I think it's the uh, reporter character, and he's like in a room with- Rapey uh, Rose, that's his name. Yes, Charlie Rose. He's in the room with the not Kate Capshaw, and he turns to the door and opens the door to leave, and you can audibly hear the director yell, cut. (laughs) It's hilarious. And they left it in the movie. That's two things. Either this scene, they did it so good that it has to be the way it was or b don't give a f- move on f- it we're not reshooting it. <laughs> f- 
Fuck it. Next shot. Yeah. Talk about breaking the fourth wall. This is also about the time that the movie kind of takes a dive because you marked it 59 minutes. This movie is an hour 26. <laughs> so yeah. for the next- The last act. Oof. The last act is essentially just B-roll of mm-hmm. the American military- just rolling in tanks, rolling in rocket launchers. The same footage over and over again. Yes, it's obviously footage from something else because you see sometimes the soldiers are smiling at the camera as they're driving by. It feels like Korean War footage. Yeah, it really kind of does. It's the same footage repeated multiple times. We're not exaggerating. And however much you might have been enjoying the film up until this point, for me, this is just kind of where it bled out. Because it oh, just goes yeah, no. on and on. And then they're, they're- And nothing happens. Nothing happens. They're attacking the ape. Nothing's really happening to the ape until they finally decide to shoot big missiles at it, which is my second favorite part of the film. Yes. Because he, he gets shot in the chest and then he projectile vomits blood. It's awesome. That was cool. Oh, and this is where he starts throwing the rocks. Yes, yes. And he's throwing these foam boulders from the mountain range around him. Except it changes per shot. Sometimes he's just standing in the middle of nowhere. Sometimes he's hiding behind a a rock. And then sometimes he's like standing on top of the ridge or whatever. (laughs) But he's always just throwing these foam boulders. And they're obviously on a string track because they they fly directly into your camera. Again, they're, they're shooting in 3D. So they want... See, that makes more sense now. But you can see the track. You can see the line. You can actually see the strings. Yes. But the funny part is that he does this for like 10 minutes. Yeah, yeah. It's like a crushingly long amount of time. It's just so long. Yeah, it's like an hour and a half, essentially, and it's got about 23 minutes of narrative. If that. If that. We're not counting the ape fighting with dead animals as narrative. (laughs) Our crying ape is a tear because... Somebody threw trash on the ground. (laughs) Not my Korea. Ape finally dies. He goes down, mm. and we get our poignant last line of the film. Mm. He was just too big for a small world like ours. <laughs> oh, that's one of the best ending lines of all time. <laughs> it really kind of is. It's like Casablanca-esque. <laughs> it's right up there. Oh, my God. That's great. The problems of one ape don't amount to a hill of apes in this world. By the way, a million people died in this movie. Yes, but we're not mourning anyone. You don't really see anyone die. Mm-mm. There's dead. All of Seoul, most of the Korean countryside, all destroyed by a giant ape who may or may not have been between 10 and 100 feet tall. And it's kind of weird that all of this part of Korea looks exactly like right outside of Los Angeles. No. What? It's really bizarre. I have good I that's who knew? It's a miracle, really. It's a miracle of modern science. <laughs> so the movie just kind of ends because it's got nothing going on. It's a really poor telling of uh, of King Kong. Uh, it's very obviously directly a response to the Dino De Laurentiis remake of King Kong. Yes, which is why he's the, uh, the Dino thing mm-hmm. as the director. Because this was the same way that Asylum will make, you know... Transmorphers. Transmorphers or Guardians of Terminators. Space. Yeah. This studio is like, oh, we just... Let's capitalize it. Let's get it out <laughs> months before the actual King Kong film comes out. Yeah. It's like what they came out with. Battleship came out. They came out with American Warships. <laughs> And it's hard to make fun of those movies, too, because they're obviously intentionally doing a thing that's not genuine. There's no there's no goodwill there. 
you know? Mm-hmm. It's obviously just they know it's bad. They know it sucks. They don't care. I mean, it's not the kind of thing that's ripe for MST3K or something. It's just don't bother. Just don't bother. Their entire business model is just tricking grandmothers who want to buy something for their grandkid, you know? That's not cool, man. Oh, my son likes the Colonel USA. Uh, is that Captain America? Is that what you're getting at? That's what I was going for, Sonny Jim. Okay, all right. Good thing I know you. <laughs> <laughs> the Amazing Hulkling. Nope, that's Young Avengers. That's true. The Revengers. Is that is that one? Probably. I mean, that sounds like something Asylum would do. What would you do for Venom? Poison. Ooh, it probably is poison. Or Snakebite. I don't know. <laughs> It's the band Poison. Little Jimmy, you're gonna love this. Just puts on a Poison record. That's the next bout of hair bands will begin. That's Marvel Phase (laughs) 5. So Ape was made for $23,000 in 14 days. They spared no expense. Yeah. And that's with reshoots and everything after they found it was so short. That is impressive. Yeah, and it was all shot in 3D. But you can't see it in 3D. No, maybe you could when it originally came out. Yeah, you cannot currently see it in 3D. No. Which is kind of a shame. It's been on multiple lists of worst movies ever made, so you can check that off your bucket list, huh? We did this one as an introduction. We want to do a series of bad King Kong ripoffs, and we've got some gems for you. Trust us. Wait till you see Yeti. It's going to blow your minds. (laughs) Wow, I haven't seen it yet. For those who really like to delve the deep of the bad movies, maybe it's for you to see, but I wouldn't go out of my way to recommend it. No, I'd rather do, like, in sincerity, watch a Mitchell or a Pod People before I'd watch Ape. Or or any of those, Sandy Frank, the Japanese Urban Allen. Yes, those are more fun. They're way more fun. In fact, I'd rather watch anything by Erin Allen than I would in this movie. It's just nonsensical. It's not even really fun. It's kind of long. It drags in places. It doesn't make any sense, which can be fun, but this movie just isn't. There are a couple of laughs. That's why it's not like zero, but... Mm. Yeah, and there are a couple of things that I think, you know, are I at least enjoyed enough. I mean, honestly, the martial arts scene, all 30 seconds of that, that was like, oh, yeah, cool. No. Let's do this. Yeah, I thought that was awesome. And then they work it into the narrative. It's not just, you know, in, in Jay and Silent Bob where they walk onto the set of Daredevil, the movie or whatever. This one, like the people involved in the movie that they crash get involved with the narrative and they attack the fucking monster. It's kind of great. It's true. We don't really understand how or why. But they do it nonetheless. Yeah, it's a little bit like in Pee-wee's Big Adventure when he walks into the Godzilla set or whatever, but even more interactive. I'd completely forgotten about that. Everybody does. Everybody forgets the last act of that movie, too. Because you're either passed out or high. <laughs> or <laughs> I passed out while I was high. That movie's a masterpiece, though. It really is. It's it's seriously like creme de la creme, Tim Burton and Danny Elfman. I mean, like, that, that, that movie is nearly flawless. Yeah. And for no reason. <laughs> And that's much like Giant Ape Pokemon. It's a lot like Pokemon, yeah. Yeah. Kaiju Pokemon. Please be a thing. We're so on board with Kaiju Pokemon. (laughs) Yes. Inject it into my veins. Mm -hmm. Sign me up. Well, Well, I guess that's it for our first one. Yeah, yeah. Thanks. Thanks for listening, everybody. You don't have to watch Ape, but if you do, this is a good guide. If you're judging whether or not you should, eh, just listen to this first. Yeah. If this is like, oh, that sounds slightly humorous, maybe I'll do it. That's on you. We take no responsibility. We wash our hands. uh, (laughs) This is why we do this, to warn you ahead of time. Now, some of these reviews are going to be to hype you up for a great bad movie, and we will get to that. (laughs) So we're going to do a mini-series here off the bat of poorly made King Kong ripoffs, and it's going to get fun. 
Yeah. Kong along? Uh, nope. Nope. That's uh Kong along? Br- br- <laughs> it sounds like know. it's a sing along. <laughs> yeah, kind of. You're like watching along with the Kong. Oh, like if they put on our commentary while they're watching it? Oh, yeah. I can see that. It's probably about as long as the film. <laughs> Actually, yeah. Well, either way, folks, you'll have to listen <laughs> and find out. Yeah, this has been Eastside Theater Guild, brought to you by Dispatch Ajax. It's true. What- and Metallica. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like, share, subscribe. Leave some of them uh, five ape reviews. On them, their iTunes or Spotify or whatever your podcast app of choice, your pod catcher. Because honestly, that's how we get seen. Your pod snatcher. We don't. We don't. Your pod grappler. Duh. Your pod lover. <laughs> the podinator. Mm, he's just gonna go on like this for like twenty minutes. We don't stop. So, um, this the is pod a- busters. Mm-hmm. The podning. Uh, pod man. You need to go pod people. You could just go on that off the bat. Nope. Like, right there. Not doing it. Yeah, well, that's it. That's all right. What she wrote. Yep. Coming soon to Eastside Theater Guild on VHS. Mm-hmm.